0: Uh, Season 1, Episode 5 of Did That Really Happen?, where we explore strange, interesting, and vague moments in history to find out if they really happened or if they're all just misunderstood urban legends. Now, there's a lot of interesting history surrounding the uh, American Revolution, uh, especially in regards to how it started, and one historical incident played a major role in sparking deeper support for the colonial rebellion against the British Empire. For many, the Boston Massacre was the spark that lit the fire of the American Revolution. You know, innocent colonists getting gunned down by the redcoats. But is that really how things happened? Let's find out. So, before we jump into what actually happened with the Boston massacre, we need to understand some of the backstory of what was already going on in the city. So, you see, there were already 2,000 Redcoats, British soldiers, in the city of 16,000 colonists to essentially enforce uh, the British tax laws, which was already a point of contention between the colonists, especially the, the colonial leaders and the king. So, you already have this raw Environment where there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of resentment. The Redcoats didn't want to be there any more than the colonists wanted them to be there. So you had this mutual, not necessarily hatred, but disdain for each other before the Boston Massacre even um, developed. So on the evening of March 5th, 1770, British Redcoat by the name of Private Hugh White was guarding the king's money stored at the custom house on King Street by himself. He was alone, just him. And it wasn't long because of everything that had already happened in the days prior. It wasn't long before a group of really pissed off colonists came upon him and began to insult him and threaten him with violence. Now, at some point in the altercation, White decided to fight back and he apparently struck one of the colonists with his bayonet. Once that happened, all hell broke loose. The colonists started throwing snowballs, ice, rocks, sticks, anything they could find at White. And once the uh, incident started to grow completely out of control, the church bells started ringing. Now, let's pause, and you're going to want to hang on to this. The church bells, usually when they rang like that, if it wasn't on a, you know, on a Sunday and you know, time for people to gather for church, it usually meant that a fire had broken out in the city. And, and it was important because back then, with all the buildings being so close, even a small fire could take out the entire city. So if you were going about your business in the middle of the week and the church bells randomly started ringing, that usually was a call to say, hey, there's a fire, grab a bucket, let's put it out. So put a pin in that real quick. So the bells start ringing and that sends a wave of people into the streets and then they see what's going on between White and the other colonists. The crowd grew bigger, they joined in on the assault, and White finally started to call out for reinforcements from the other redcoats. And that's when Captain Thomas Preston, he's the guy that was in charge of that local detachment of Redcoats, arrived on the scene with reinforcements to protect White. So they grab White, and then they go and take up a defensive position right in front of the custom house where the king's money is protected. Now, this is where the story gets really complicated, and to this day, no one's entirely sure exactly what happened. We have some testimony from the trial, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, Um, We have comments from some of the colonists from the Redcoats, from Preston himself, but things started to take a pretty dark turn at this point. So apparently, some of the colonists realized that the situation was quickly getting out of hand and were trying to convince the soldiers to not fire their guns. Remember, they were in a defensive position, they're fully armed. Their muskets were loaded, and the other ones had their bayonets ready to go. So some of them were trying to talk the Redcoats down from attacking, and they hadn't yet. They were, they were holding their own. And apparently some of the other colonists were actually calling for violence. They were actually begging the Redcoats to shoot them, probably because they wanted to incite a riot. Now at some point, some of the colonists apparently grabbed clubs and sticks and started to attack the Redcoats. And for a while, the Redcoats still didn't fire because Preston did not want bloodshed. He did not want any kind of riot. I mean, it would have been really bad for him as a professional soldier to get accused of instigating a riot with the colonists. But then apparently at some point, one of the soldiers fired his gun into the crowd. And the constant claim had been that the soldier heard someone say the word fire. He assumed it was Preston giving the command to fire and so he complied and shot his musket into the crowd. And once that first shot rang out, the rest of the Redcoat company fired into the crowd and they killed five colonists. Now, most of the time when this uh, historical incident is taught, it's, it's, especially here in America, it's taught from a very pro colonist viewpoint. And that's not saying that the Redcoats were completely innocent in what happened, but remember when I told you about the bells ringing and that it usually meant that a a fire had broken out in the city? Well, the soldier that claimed he heard someone yell fire was probably correct, and it probably was some of the other people in the town, in the streets, that weren't involved in the assault. They weren't there with a group, and they must have assumed there was a fire going on. Remember, there's a lot of confusion happening while this is unraveling. People who are coming up on the scene late, all they see is a bunch of people crowded in the street. They hear the church bells ringing. They're probably hollering out, hey, is there a fire? And you can understand how that could have led to a soldier thinking he was being commanded to fire onto the crowd. Now, not excusing the actions of that particular soldier, and and uh, Preston actually makes a point about that later, which we'll get to, but it's understandable how all of that kind of weaves together, and a lot of historians over the last few decades have argued that that's pretty much what really sparked the actual uh, violence and, and and the unfortunate killings of the, uh, of the colonists because someone had heard the word fire and they thought it meant that it was their duty as a soldier to comply and shoot. Now, moving forward, within a f- just a few hours of the incident, Preston and his soldiers were arrested and jailed and not long after the propaganda machine on both sides went into a full force. Uh, Preston famously wrote his version of the events while in his jail cell and published them. And th- this was pretty common that, that people in positions of power influence, when something like this would happen, they would write their version of what happened to be published in the local papers to kind of rally people to their side. And of course, the Sons of Liberty, which were really pushing for revolution, uh, they included guys such as John Hancock, Samuel Adams, um, and Paul Revere, they were pushing their own version of what happened, especially Paul Revere, who he actually created a very famous engraving of the Boston Massacre that sen- essentially shows the Redcoats as these barbarous murderers and the colonists being innocent gentlemen and women just standing in the street, minding their own business and getting mowed down, which that, that, that did not happen. I mean, that's, that's not what happened. So let's fast-forward seven months. That's how, how long it took for Preston to be arraigned and the uh, other soldiers involved um, to be brought to trial. And this is where it gets even more interesting is that the lawyer who ended up defending Preston and his fellow Redcoats was none other than John Adams. Yes, that John Adams who would go on to be uh, future president of the United States. You see, Adams kind of gets a bad rap in history because a lot of people have said for years that he was a bad president— he was, he was just incompetent, and that's not true. Adams was a very intelligent, very successful man. He was a very good lawyer, and he was a patriot. He was definitely on the side of the colonists. However, John Adams was first and foremost a lawyer, and he wanted to make sure that the Redcoats received a fair trial because he truly did believe in the rule of law. Even if he despised the Redcoats, he absolutely believed it was their right to a fair trial, which is foundational to our entire legal system. So, you know, we need to be completely honest with how John Adams was involved in this. What he did was right and ended up being foundational to our entire legal system. So one of Adams' biggest problems with how things were unfolding was that there was no way these guys were going to get a fair trial in Boston. He believed that there were no impartial jurors anywhere in Boston, so he convinced the judge to seat a jury of non-Bostonians, which, in my opinion, was the right thing to do. Now, the trial was pretty messy because there was so much contradictory testimony and evidence presented at trial because there was so much confusion from what happened uh, during the massacre. But what was consistent was that multiple witnesses did say that they heard someone shouting the word fire right as the Redcoats were shooting into the crowd. So that was one of the few consistencies that actually came up in the trial. But the bottom line is there was no concrete evidence that could push away reasonable doubt for the jury. So they ultimately found Preston not guilty, being that he was the captain and in charge of the redcoats that engaged in, in hostilities towards the colonists, there just wasn't enough evidence to convict him. So he was found not guilty. Now, the rest of the redcoats who actually fired their weapons through the crowd uh, claimed self-defense, and they were also found not guilty because even the colonial jurors agreed that what the crowd did was unacceptable and that they provoked the redcoats. Now, two of the soldiers, uh, Hugh Montgomery and Matthew Kilroy, were actually found guilty of manslaughter for their actions. And uh, per British law at the time, as being that they were first offenders and it wasn't a murder charge, they, uh, their thumbs were branded to let anyone know who came across them that they had been guilty of manslaughter. Now, to Adams' credit and the jury's credit, the Redcoats received a fair trial. And that's praiseworthy, especially given what was happening at the time. Now, the aftermath of the Boston Massacre you know, undoubtedly helped spark a greater push towards Revolution. You had the uh, Boston Tea Party not long after that. The first Continental Congress was created, and then not long after that, open hostilities with the British uh, had erupted. While a lot of people still struggle with what actually happened in the Boston Massacre, for me, the entire situation was pretty much summed up by Preston himself when he later wrote about the conflict, and he said this, None of them was a hero. The victims were troublemakers who got more than they deserved. The soldiers were professionals who shouldn't have panicked. The whole thing shouldn't have happened. So, the Boston Massacre, did that really happen? Yes, absolutely. However, it's very rarely taught correctly in most schools, especially here in the United States. We should be able to examine things such as the Boston Massacre without feeling like we're being unpatriotic to our own country. The Redcoats weren't completely innocent, just as Preston fully admitted. However, the colonists weren't on their best behavior when this entire situation unfolded. As I've said before, history is messy. There's multiple sides to every incident. There's lots of information and evidence that sometimes can seem contradictory. And the best we can do as historians, both professional and amateur, is to analyze the information we have in light of the contemporary time without allowing our modern, preconceptions to taint our opinion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Did That Really Happen? I'm your host, Jay William Denton. See you again next time.